Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask myself when I question myself. What's up, table fam? How we feeling? Yeah. Hey, if I have not had a chance to meet you. My name is Isaac, and I'm the young adult pastor here and help bring leadership to the table. Um, also, I was not here last week, and apparently, if you were, I missed like a baller night of worship, which I'm really, really bummed about. But apparently, it was like one, it was incredible. Um, but we're continuing back in our series. I'm going through John's gospel. And here's where we are in the story, right? So we're already past the halfway point. A couple weeks ago, we were right at the halfway point with the story of Lazarus. So we're a little past the halfway point. And what's going on? to set us up is we're about to enter into the day before um, Jesus was arrested. So the day before Jesus was arrested, um, Jesus gets his 12 disciples, the guys that were following him really closely, and um, he gets those 12, and then they have um, dinner together, uh, and then maybe you've heard it, the Last Supper, after the Last Supper, um, then he washes their feet, and then he goes on um, because he's about to, this really big thing, like his death and not to spoil death and resurrection is about to happen later. Um, but he's giving his, he's about to give his final words to everybody. Like all the Bible nerds in the room, um, it's called the farewell discourse, right? But the really easy way to think about it is just Jesus's last words to the 12 people that are about to go change the world, right? So you're thinking, okay, if I'm Jesus, uh, or if I were Jesus, and you're thinking, how does Jesus, like, think through what are the final things to say? Like, he's been saying a lot throughout his ministry. But, like, what's the final things that he's about to say before he essentially hands over uh, the keys uh, to the church um, to his disciples? Right? So, John, like, 13 through 17 um, is this essentially four chapters of a really long last words. Um, unfortunately, we don't have time to cover everything. But this week and next week, um, I want to point out a couple things in Jesus' last words to everybody. So that's what we're going to do today, is we're entering into Jesus' last words, um, and we're going to talk about um, what, what some of those things were. So next week, um, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So if you're curious about the Holy Spirit, you're wondering what that is, like how do we think through that here at First Orlando and at the table, um, then you'll definitely want to be here next week. Um, today, though, um, we're talking about happiness. So um, I love being happy. Right? Um, I love being happy, and I'm going to pursue my happiness at all costs. So uh, three and a half years ago, when I found out that I was moving to Orlando, um, I was so excited because I don't know if you know what's here in Orlando, what I thought was called the happiest place on earth, Disney, right? No joke, me moving to Orlando and working here at First Orlando, Disney was like a top five reason for me moving here. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So I moved here on um, February 1st, 2018, Literally February 2nd, I get my annual pass. And I get my annual pass, and I start going to Disney a lot. And I go to Disney by myself, and I go to Disney with friends, and I go to Disney um, with uh, my, the former young adult pastor, the Hankins family. I go with them, and I'm just going to Disney all the time. And I thought, man, yes, this is so happy. I love being here. I went, no joke, I went 50 times in one year, twice. Right? If you're a cast member, you're like, oh, that's easy. But if you're not a cast member, you're like, oh, that's a lot. Yes, I was not a cast member. That's a lot. That's a lot of times to go to Disney. Let me tell you what happened when I got to time, you know, in one year, by, especially by year two, time 47, 48, time 49 in one year. Um, I realized 
that me being at Disney um, was not producing the happiness that I thought it would produce in me, right? The same rides over and over and over and the same restaurants and the same food and, you know, thinking, you know, me just going by myself and walking around, like the, 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 there's only so many square inches that you can see. And then I realized that it's not called the happiest place on earth. That's in California. It's called the most magical place on earth here in Orlando. And I thought that makes complete sense because I'm not happy at all. So I'm here and I'm processing and even, um, you know, I had my annual pass. So I would just like force myself to go even when I didn't want to go anymore. Um, one time I looked on the radar and I saw that it was raining or it was going to be raining, but I thought I think I can still sneak in a trip to Hollywood Studios. So I go to Hollywood Studios and sure enough, um, the, it starts raining and I'm like soaking wet, similar to today when I walked here, I'm still kind of wet, but I'm soaking wet I'm in the rain, got caught in the rain and now I'm in the car and I'm soaking wet in the car and I'm on I-4 going back home, and then the car breaks down. And I'm on the side of the road for four hours in wet clothes, wondering why did I go to Disney today, right? And here's why. Um, here's the irony. The pursuit of happiness can leave us miserable. It's ironic, right? Our pursuit of happiness sometimes can leave us miserable, right? So I... Um, I'm in pursuit of my own happiness, right? And you, all of us, are also in pursuit of our own happiness. I know for a fact, for some of us, it's Disney too, right? Disney is the thing that we want to make us happy. Um, but for others, it's something else, right? Whether, fill in the blank, you know, whatever it may be in your pursuit of happiness. But it's possible the things that you think make you happy are actually keeping you in misery, it's possible, right? It's possible the things that we think that we want, the things that we think um, that's going to make us really happy and bring us fulfillment and leave us satisfied um, are going to keep us in misery. But um, there is hope, though. I don't want to just stop there. All right, we're done. You will never be happy, right? That'd be kind of a bummer. Uh, there's hope. But it may require us to think through and do some things differently, right? So um, you may have heard this question from you, because some people will answer this question on our misery and how to be happy by answering this question, according to you, how full is the glass? How full is the glass? Because for some of us, um, like me, oftentimes the glass is half full, right? I'm an optimist, right? Um, I'm an optimist. I just think really positive about life. I just want to be, uh, be happy. I just want to think things are just going to work out well and always work out. Here's the problem with optimism, right? It's great that we have a positive outlook on life, but sometimes our positivity is actually rooted in a false reality. Okay, well, what about, that's half of us, what about the other half, right? Um, well, the other half are pessimists, or I know you don't call yourself a pessimist. What do you call yourself? A realist. See, you already know. You already know. You call yourself a realist, right? And with, with the realists in the room, ain't nobody safe in here, um, realists, you have such a great view on truth and reality. See, but I think that God wants more for you than our own unhopefulness and our own kind of down demeanor, right? So um, with, if you lean towards optimism like I do or if you lean towards pessimism, um, I think there's a reason why we lean that way, but I think we need to be really mindful of what's causing us to lean that way um, because as we think through our own misery and happiness, I don't want us to be rooted in optimism or pessimism. I want us to be rooted in truth and love. Can we do that? Can we try to be rooted in truth and love? So, um, so we're going to be in John chapter 15 to set up our conversation. John chapter 15. 
And remember, Jesus here is talking um, to the 12 disciples who are about to go uh, to change the world. So he was talking to the 12 disciples in his final speech, and here's what he says um, as he's having a conversation about their happiness. So I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to actually um, jump to the verse, and we'll go back and we'll kind of read through it. But I'm just going to leave you the, I'm going to spoil it. Here's what Jesus says at the end of the conversation. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And he says, these things I have spoken to you, that my, um, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy uh, may be full. Right? So there may be a sentiment as we think through following Jesus, as we think through Christianity. Here's how some of us may think, through, th- think about God. Um, God is here to rob me of everything that I enjoy, and I have to be miserable in order to be a good Christian. Right? Like, it's like I have to be so, to be a Christian means we're so self-sacrificing, and we just give, and we give, and we give, and we're exhausted, and we just keep giving, and we keep giving, and we're miserable, and we think that's God-honoring. I think Jesus is saying, hey, look, Jesus doesn't want us to be miserable. Jesus himself, um, he wants us um, he wants us to have a life that our joy may be full, right? But the reason we think that is because even sometimes when we look at church and we see the good Christians, oftentimes there's a frown on their face. And we're like, ew. Like, and they're like, yep, you just got to pray and read the Bible, and that's how you be a good Christian. And you're like, I don't. That sounds miserable. They're like, yep, that's just the way it is. Right? I kind of grew up in church. So that's, that's how people kind of talk to it a bit. Like, I know you just got to be so, just, just be miserable, and that's how you love Jesus. And I was like, God, that sounds terrible, right? And then we try to offer that hope to people. Hey, do you want to be miserable and following Jesus, and then you can go to heaven? Who's buying that? That sounds terrible. Like, nobody, nobody wants that. That's not hopeful, right? So um, also, um, in Christian culture, sometimes um, there's a distinction um, between happiness and joy, right? So sometimes in Christian culture, it's it said, hey, joy is what God gives you, but happiness, you know, is not going to be satisfying, which um, I can understand the sentiment, so I don't want to um, come down too hard, but um, here's what I want to say, is that um, looking through Scripture, um, joy and happiness are used pretty synonymously uh, throughout Scripture, um, inter- interchangeably, right? So if you still want to kind of just use joy, that's, you can, that's okay, you can do that, but just know um, my cards, I'm going to use joy and happiness kind of interchangeably here, right? Happiness and joy, oftentimes in scripture, is delight, gladness, and cheerfulness, and Jesus wants your joy to be full. Jesus himself, he's saying, he wants for you to be fully happy, right? And I, I also want your joy to be full, and I want for you to be fully happy, Right? And you, you yourself, you want your joy to be full. And you want to be happy. Right? So Jesus is saying, hey, so if you want to have, experience your fullest joy and your fullest happiness, um, these are the things that I've spoken to you. Right? So now we're going to go back and read, okay, so what did Jesus say in order for me to be able to experience my fullest joy and my fullest happiness? Well, he starts off the conversation um, in, chapter, in verse 1, where he says, um, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So this is a farming metaphor. Um, and I've said this before, um, for many of us, we don't really understand farming metaphors, but maybe a way that you can understand it is, um, my father, I am the true Netflix, and my father is like the AT&T internet provider, right? <laughs> Not Spectrum, because Spectrum is of the devil, but AT&T... <laughs> Apparently, you hate um, 
from that response, you hate Spectrum more than you want your own happiness. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I didn't mean to do this, Juki. I was trying to be funny. It's okay. Well, let's keep going. Verse 4. Verse 4. He says, abide in me and I in you, um, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Okay, so Jesus is talking about this word um, abide, and um, really, shout out Alec Raquel for helping me with this in the conversation. The word abide, um, it, it comes from the root word of like abode, or like a home, right? Abide, at its essence, means to remain, right? So I think just a really helpful definition for abide is to remain home with Jesus, right? So imagine this. Imagine um, you're just going along your day, and... Um, and then where do you find your truest rest? And the introverts get this really well. Where do you find your truest rest? Is at home. Where it's easy. And you just sit um, and you can rest. Right? Um, and as you're sitting, um, so imagine I'm here, I'm sitting, kind of sitting in my chair, just at home with Jesus, I'm abiding, I'm remaining home with Jesus. Um, and as I'm sitting, here's something um, that I can tell myself when it comes to abide. Is that in at home, remaining with Jesus, there is grace upon grace. I don't have to do anything in order, in order to earn God's love. I can just receive this free gift of grace. Um, as well, there's, there's love, right? I don't have to do anything in order to earn God's love, right? And even as I'm sitting, in, sitting at home, um, I can say this, is knowing moment by moment that we are unconditionally loved by God and trust that his word is true. So when we're abiding, when we're just remaining at home with Jesus, that's where we're going to get our truest identity and our truest security, is just remaining at home, um, abiding. Now, what do we know to be true about ourselves, though? Oftentimes, home seems boring, right? I want to get out of home. I want to go do something fun, right? So um, I love the, the hymn, Come Thou Fount. I think it's so true, is that we're prone to wander, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're, we don't naturally drift towards wanting to abide and remain at home. Our natural tendency is to wander. And why are we wandering? Because we're pursuing our happiness, right? We're pursuing the things that we think make us happy. So we're oftentimes going to be tempted and prone to leave home in order to find the thing that was always found at home, remaining with Jesus in the first place, right? So he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So he's talking about fruit. So what is fruit? Um, fruit are the things that make us happy. Right? Fruit are, are the things. So perhaps as we think through the fruit in our lives, for some of us, um, it's our accomplishments. Right? We think we want our accomplishments um, to be fruit that we, that we can present. Um, for me, I literally love trophies. Um, so if I can, like, do something and then like, earn a trophy, man, I, like, I can get a lot of fruit in that. I feel really accomplished. I feel successful, right? Um, for, some, for some of us, it may be other things, whether it be relationships, job, money. It's the things, the stuff, right? For some of us, we love Amazon. It's so fast. And whenever... Um, and the, even now, they've shifted to the, the one-day delivery. So whenever it goes back to the standard two-day delivery, you're like, oh, my gosh. Why is this taking so long? It's taking 48 hours to get this thing to my porch. Like, why is it taking so long? Right? Because we love stuff. And we think that, for some of us, we may be tempted to think that it's in the, the stuff or the accomplishments, the things that are tangible, 
are the things um, that are the fruit. Right? Here's what the, the Christian worldview says, is that fruit is not something tangible. Fruit are the things that are amazing and they're intangible. So the Apostle Paul writes this in Galatians where he makes it kind of clear um, what, how Christians think through fruit, where he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that Jesus wants for us. Now, as, you, as I look at that list, and as you look at that list, you're not reading that list thinking, oh, I'm killing it. Woo, I'm doing such a good job right now. Oh my gosh, I am so patient. I'm the most patient person I know. I have so much love. I'm overflowing with love. I'm overflowing with joy. Oh my gosh, I have so much self-control, right? I have, so, I have incredible self-control. Nobody here is saying that, right? Here's what you know, though. If you're in Christ, um, you're not... You're further along than where you started, and you're still not where you want to be, right? If you're in Christ, looking at that list, you're like, you know what, man, I feel like I'm not doing a great job, but man, I'm actually doing better than I was, right? I'm further along than I used to be whenever I first became a Christian, right? And if you're, if you're um, brand new being a Christian, you're starting the process of working to cultivate this fruit, right? But still, we all know that we're not where we want to be when it comes to gentleness, we're not, want to be, we're not where we want to be when it comes to faithfulness, right? But we know that we're ultimately never going to feel, um, feel like we've arrived um, until heaven. So if you feel like you're falling short of this list, congratulations, you're a normal Christian. So this is the fruit, though. I, we're, I'm raising this up. Paul's raising this up. Um, Jesus is talking about this as the ideal to strive for, right? The fruit um, that we love. In verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? So he's saying, um, I think maybe a way to think through this is as, we, as we're abiding, as we're at, remaining at home with Jesus, and as we think through the fruit, um, we know um, this to be true, is that um, abiding is going to result in fruit. Right? And I think we feel this. I think if some of us, if you're starting your Christian path or you've been a Christian for a while, I think we feel this, right? Here's what not abiding looks like in your work week, right? As you think through your work week, um, your Monday through, Friday, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, but this is Orlando. Nobody has that schedule. Very few of us have that schedule. Um, but at, in our work week, we know that when we're not abiding, when we're not remaining at home with Jesus, um, here's what it looks like. We're busy and we're stressed. When we're not remaining at home with Jesus, we're busy and we're stressed. Um, okay, well, what about if we are? Um, if we are abiding with Jesus in our work week, here's what we feel. We, we feel fruitful productivity. When we're remaining at home, um, we're abiding with Jesus. Okay, what about uh, nights and weekends? Nights and weekends when we're not abiding with Jesus, um, here's, here's what this looks like. Um, we're bored and apathetic. Bored and apathetic. And again, this is Orlando. Maybe your quote-unquote nights and weekends is like Tuesday and Wednesday because um, it's we have, a lot of us work shift schedules, right? So whatever you're, whenever you're not working, when you're not doing and accomplishing, right, you're, the nights and weekends, not abiding, um, we just feel really bored, we feel apathetic, and we just kind of feel like we're going through the motions, we're waiting for excitement. Okay, well, what about whenever we are abiding, whenever we're remaining at home with Jesus, um, we have soul-filling rest and peace. 
So we are incapable of producing the things in life that will make us happy. We're incapable. We can't. We can't produce the fruit that's going to give us fruitful productivity and that's going to give us soul-filling rest and peace. We're incapable of producing that. Right? So verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay, these are some strong words coming from Jesus right now. Um, here's my um, encouragement. If you're in Christ, for those of us that have put our faith and our trust in Christ and Jesus, be confident that you are abiding. Right? If you truly have put your faith and trust in Christ, you are abiding. We'll talk a little more about that in a little bit. Um, here's my warning, though. And here's the warning that Jesus gives, is that for those of us that are not in Christ, um, your life will not end with your happiness. We can only find happiness through Jesus, right? And in verse 8, um, um, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples, right? So how do you know if you uh, prove to be my disciples? How do you know if you're following Jesus? Uh, your life is marked by fruit. Right? Looking back to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Right? If we're following Jesus, our life is going to be marked by that. Right? So is there fruit um, in our lives? Um, in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Right? So he's ending the conversation. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be Maybe full. Jesus wants you to be happy and for your happiness to be full. Jesus wants you to be happy. So here's the big idea. Your deepest, fullest happiness is at home with Jesus. Your deepest, fullest happiness is at home with Jesus, abiding with Jesus, remaining at home with Jesus. Um, some of us, though, um, we don't really think of Jesus as our home. Um, we think of Jesus like a vacation. Or we think of Jesus as a, a timeshare, right? So in order, um, if anybody's gone through the timeshare process, um, you know, perhaps um, to, in order to get to Jesus as a timeshare, you've got to sit through a really boring, long meeting, right? And then, um, you, you know, you choose the scheduled days, the times, the locations that you want to go, um, and then ultimately you realize that you never go. Because <laughs> it's a timeshare, and you're like, ah, eh, nobody really cares about timeshares. Uh, for some of us, we, we think we're in charge um, um, of managing our happiness, right? So we're, we're out of home with Jesus, and then we're just trying to manage the fruit, trying to manage our happiness, and it's not working, and we think we can control it. And then sometimes we think we have something we think makes us happy, and then we take it back home to Jesus. We're like, hey, Jesus, don't you like this thing that I brought to you? Um, have you ever been in a group setting where somebody starts dating somebody, and they're, like, really excited about it, but everybody else is like, oof, oof. I don't know about that, right? But they're so, they look so happy, right? Don't they? Right? And then you know that you'll be there when the breakup happens. Right? Some of us, we, we try to find our happiness, our fruit, and then just get Jesus to, to bless it and to honor it. And then we want all of our friends to tell us that we're doing a good job. Right? But if we're truly remaining at home with Jesus, we, we can see the world the way that Jesus sees it. And our life will be marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Our deepest, fullest happiness is at home with Jesus. Now, I know for some of us, as you're hearing that, um, for many of us, we're in a lot of different places. Here, here's what I mean by that. Um, for some of us, um, we know this, 
and we believe this, and you're sitting right there, you're sitting right, right now, and you're smiling, and you're happy, and you're like, yeah, I know I'm not where I want to be with fruit, but I know, um, I know that um, I'll just continue moving forward, and you feel good, and you feel confident, um, and uh, there's a, like a big smile on your face, and your life just feels really full. Okay, maybe that's like 10% of the room, maybe. Um, for many of us, um, as we think through our deepest, fully, fullest happiness at home with Jesus, um, if we're to be honest, and this is a place where we're going to be honest, we've never really felt that before. For some of us, we've never felt that at all. For some of us, even as I'm talking right now, you may be thinking, have I ever truly been happy? And have I ever truly been happy in, in Jesus? And for some, um, we used to feel that way, right? Maybe perhaps there was a season of our life um, whenever our deepest, fullest happiness was at home with Jesus. But if we're to be honest, and again, this is a place where we can be honest, um, we don't currently feel that way. We don't currently feel that our deepest and fullest happiness is at home with Jesus. And like, perhaps we know it to be true um, conceptually, um, but we don't feel it. And then we may be tempted to start trying to find happiness by wandering. Because we're like, man, I really, I think I'm sitting at home, remaining with Jesus. I think I'm doing the right things. I'm not feeling anything right now. Let me start just trying other things. Let me start trying other fruit. Let me start trying things that I think will make me happy. Because regardless of what we feel, um, we are still in pursuit of our own happiness. So even whenever we feel miserable, we're still trying to pursue it. So if we don't think that we're going to find it um, remaining at home with Jesus, we're going to start trying to look for it in other ways. Um, Ultimately, we're not in charge of our happiness. Ultimately, we're not, and part of the reason why some of us may feel really confused is because ultimately we're not in charge of our own happiness. Um, however, we do have a role to play with our happiness. Ultimately, we're not in charge, but we do have a role to play when it comes to our happiness. Here's what I mean. Um, so we're going to look back at verse 7 where Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Right? So Jesus is saying, hey, look, you can ask. You can ask for things, right? And if you're abiding, um, even if you don't necessarily feel it in the moment, but you know it and you're trying to feel it, you can ask for happiness. You can ask, and here's, but here's what you're going to be asking for. Ask whatever you wish. Um, if you truly are in Christ, right, regardless of how you feel, but if you truly believe, you know, Jesus um, died from the dead, you know, he's Lord of your life, you can ask whatever you wish, but here are the things you're going to ask for. You're not going to ask for stuff, because you know that stuff is not going to make you happy. Here's what you will ask for. You're going to ask for fruit. You're going to ask for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, right? So Jesus saying, hey, look, if you're not feeling it, ask for it. Right? Ask for, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And he says this in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Right? So again, this idea of abiding in my love, um, Jesus is saying, hey, remain at home in my love. And we know that as we remain at home, um, in God's love, God's love for us is gracious and completely undeserved, right? We don't have to do anything to earn it. We just receive it as a free gift. But 
how we respond to that love is going to impact our happiness. How we respond to grace, how we respond to love is going to impact the happiness um, that we feel, right? So I want to be real clear, though. This is not um, um, obey my commandments and then you'll love me. This is not you need to do action in order to even feel love in the first place. Um, This is not um, we don't obey in order to receive love. It's flipped, right? Um, It's because you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's because we love that we will obey. Um, and we obey because we love. I think maybe the best way that I can illustrate this is um, um, I am a dog dad, right? I have a nine-year-old retriever mix named Bronx. Now, I married into being a dog dad, so I've only been officially a dog dad now for like six and a half months. Um, I, can I be real honest? My wife knows this. I never wanted to be a dog dad. I actually tried to like do everything I could to like not be a dog dad. Like, I didn't want a pet. Um, growing up, we had a, um, um, a Shih Tzu um, dog. We had it for about a year. Um, and then our family was just really busy, so we gave it to a loving family. True story. It did not go upstate to New York. It did not go, we didn't send it to the farm. True story. We gave it to a loving family, lest you judge me, my family. But that was my only pet experience. And here, from that experience, I learned, man, having pets is a lot to deal with. Having pets, like, controls your life, because you have to, like, walk them and take care of them, and they cost time and energy and money. And I know for some of you, you love it. And for me, um, before I became a dog dad, I thought, man, there is nothing. I don't, I don't want a pet. Like, I was active. Um, um, I was active in, like, telling people that I just never wanted a pet um, until I met um, the beautiful Lauren Yates, right? And I find out, as I'm getting to know Lauren Yates, um, that Lauren has a nine-year-old retriever mix named Bronx. So I'm like, oh, she has a pet. She's beautiful, she's kind, she's loving, she's so passionate about Jesus, but she has a dog, <laughs> right? And I'm like, uh, 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 what? so I'm being slightly facetious, but really that was going on, kind of. So, you know, so Lauren and I um, get married, and I, Lauren loves Bronx. Let me tell you a little bit about Bronx. So Bronx is a, is a rescue dog, right? So he, but also has anxiety, uh, we think that whenever he was in the rescue, um, there was a lot of, like, lightning storms. So true story, I, ex- I experienced this today. When anytime there's lightning, he will literally, like, shake and, like, go, and, like, shiver. And then we have, like, a thunder jacket thing going on. And he just, he's, uh, like, a 70-pound dog, so he's pretty big. But when, anytime it thunderstorms, he'll try to get into, like, the smallest spaces possible to try to feel safe, right? So then you're, like, ah, so you start feeling for Bronx. Does that, like, get to know Bronx, Right? Um, Bronx loves saying hi, too. Like, he'll, when I come home, he'll, like, um, the way that he says hi, he wants a hug. And the way that Bronx wants a hug is he'll run between your legs, and even if your legs are, like, kind of closed, he'll force himself in there. So you got to be ready, because you know Bronx is coming. So Bronx comes in, and here's what Bronx wants. He wants to be scratched on the butt. That's his favorite spot. So imagine, I'm not going to personate Bronx, but imagine Bronx is like there facing this way, I'm this way, and I start going like this, and Bronx starts going, <sighs> and so I was like lifting his legs. It's like so happy. So, so I'm getting, to, I, I didn't know this before I became a dog dad, but now I'm getting to know Bronx, right? And also what I know to be true though is that Bronx needs to be taken out, right? It needs to go for a walk. Um, so the way that Lauren and I have kind of set up um, the way that we do our house um, as we're married is I do most of the dog walking, right? Now, do I want to do dog walking? 
kind of, kind of not, right? I'll talk more about that. But um, so let's say, though, that it's, we're, it's a day that like, we're off and we're sleeping in, and it, but it gets too late in the morning and Bronx needs to go. Uh, Bronx will come and he'll start like, like putting his nose like, on my hand as I'm sleeping, and then he'll start going, right? And you're like, ah, do I show compassion toward my dog or do I sleep in? And sometimes it depends, real story, right? <laughs> but most of the time, because uh, I know it's either me or it's Lauren that needs to take him out, right? Or he's pooping in the, in the kitchen. We don't want that. <laughs> um, so now, is, so I get up, even though I'm sleeping, it's happened uh, over the weekend, this past weekend, I'm sleeping, I want to sleep in, and Bronx goes, so I get up. Now, do I look at Bronx, who needs to be taken out, a dog who my wife loves dearly, do I look at Lauren, who's still in bed sleeping, and do I say, Ooh, I really don't love Lauren right now. I'm not feeling it. But maybe if I walk Bronx, then I'll love Lauren. No. <laughs> no. Right? Um, I, I walk Bronx because I love Lauren. Right? Because I already love Lauren, now I want to do this action. But here's what happens as I'm walking Bronx, right? As I'm walking Bronx, I realize that my, my love for Lauren is just like, like, go, like um, um, stir, it's stirring, me walking Bronx is stirring my affections for Lauren because I know that um, it's so honoring for Lauren to let her sleep in and I love that I get to do that for her. So I just walk Bronx in order to help stir my affections for Lauren. So it's, it does, me walking Bronx kind of does two things. Um, one is I know that um, I don't need to do it in order to receive Lauren's love. If I never walked, true story, if I never walked Bronx another time, um, Lauren would not love me any less than she already does. I don't need to walk Bronx in order to earn Lauren's love. But as I walk Bronx, right, it just stirs my affections for her. And that's really, that was a, a longer illustration than I thought. Um, I just, because I, you know why? Because uh, I've learned to love Bronx. So I just want to talk about him in front of you guys. There you go. So I, um, I thought my happiness would be in not having a pet. But actually, I realized that my deepest and fullest happiness is in walking Bronx. True story, right? So our big idea is your deepest, fullest happiness is at home with Jesus. Now, um, so what do we do with that? Here's what we do. Um, knowing that we don't need to earn it, but at the same time, we get to actively participate in our happiness. So here's what we do. Actively pursue your happiness in Jesus. Perhaps you, your heart is so full for Jesus and you do truly feel happy in Jesus, then still, actively pursue your happiness in Jesus. Um, maybe, again, you were in a season to where you used to feel it, but now you're not, if you're not feeling it anymore. It's the same thing. Actively pursue your happiness in Jesus. Perhaps you've never really discovered happiness in Jesus, right? And you just don't really know what that means. I've never really considered that before, but you may be curious. Um, same thing. Actively pursue your happiness in Jesus. So how do we do that practically? Right? That's a lot of theory, right? That's a lot of truth, but like, what does that actually mean? How does this actually impact um, our day-to-day? -day? So here's what this looks like practically. We need to fill our lives with the things that will stir our affections for Jesus. And in the same way, we need to cut out the things that are going to rob our affections for Jesus. Right? So we need to fill our lives with things that are going to cultivate our happiness and our affections for Jesus. And we also need to stop and cut out the things that are not cultivating our affections for Jesus. Right? So um, perhaps, um, you know, we'll, we, we think that we want to get on social media because we have some free time, and then we'll just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and we just feel worse 
at, like after an hour or two hours or however long it may be, right? Um, perhaps some of the things that we used to do, that used, we used to think that brought us happiness, some of the places we used to go, some of the people that we used to spend time with, um, now we realize that it doesn't actually bring us happiness. We just do it because we're comfortable or because we think or we keep trying going back to the same thing that we know is not going to bring us happiness. Um, so we need to cut out the things that rob us of affections and fill our lives with things that stir our affections. So I'm going to give us, um, as we wrap up here, I'm going to give us 12 things, um, here's a big list, 12 things um, that are going to help us actively pursue our happiness in Jesus. So these were adapted from um, a book called When I Don't Desire God, How to Fight for Joy by John Piper. Um, so he had a list, so I've adapted um, some of his, super helpful for us. Um, so when, as we actively pursue our happiness in Jesus, number one, um, realize that joy is a gift. Realize that happiness is a gift from God, that we don't need to earn happiness, we just get to accept it and embrace it, right? That it's a gift from God. Number two, um, realize that joy must be fought for relentlessly. We need to actively fight for joy. Again, we don't naturally drift towards joy. We don't naturally drift toward staying at home and abiding and remaining in Jesus. We actually drift away. So we need to actively fight for our joy because it's not something that's going to happen naturally, right? We need to actively fight for it. Um, number three, resolve to attack any all-known sin in your life. Resolve to attack any um, known sin in your life. Um, uh, perhaps um, you think, um, some of us may think that like as we meet with people, um, that 90% of our lives to Jesus is good, right? And it's that kind of last part that we kind of know it's there, but we just don't really talk about it. We don't want to address it, and then, but we don't talk about it, and we don't address it, and then we wonder why we're unhappy. Um, I love you. This is why you're unhappy, <laughs> You're unhappy because we participate in things that we know are actively not cultivating our affections for Jesus, but are actually turning us away from our affections for Jesus. All right, y'all didn't like that one. I'll move on. Um, number four, soak in truth and nourishment of Scripture. Soak in truth and nourishment of Scripture. Right? So for many of us, um, this includes um, just a daily reading of Scripture. So we've been going through a reading plan in the Gospel of John, and maybe you've been tracking along with us. Um, it's just a time to just sit in truth and, and nourishment. Um, it says in Jeremiah that um, the words of Scripture um, became food, and he ate them, and they became the nourishment to his soul. Right? So we can look at Scripture excuse me, as a, as a means of, of nourishment for our souls and truth. Number five. Uh, pray earnestly and continually for affections for God. Pray earnestly and continually for affections for God, right? He, Jesus said this in verse 7, where we can ask for things, right? So if you're not feeling happy, and you're not feeling your, your deepest and fullest happiness in Jesus, you can pray, right? You may not feel like praying, um, but you can. You, you can pray and you can ask God um, to, um, to stir and restir your, your affections for God. Number six, and that, and that also includes, um, that can also be proactive, like you don't have to wait until you're feeling miserable. Um, by, by doing that continually and just building that into your normal rhythms, it's going to help um, keep your joy and happiness well full, right? So that way you're not running on depleted. Um, sometimes we wait until like um, our well is completely depleted, and then we start trying to take actions towards cultivating um, happiness with God. Um, if we do that consistently, and even if we think that um, 
we may not need to because, no, I think God and I are good. Like, I had, a, I had like a really amazing time with God yesterday. I feel so full. Like, I'm good for the next few days. Right? Well, by the time you get to like day two or day three of that, you're not, I guarantee you're probably not feeling as happy as you were uh, the day that you did it. Right? So it's like, it's, um, it's proactive, right? It's uh, deferred maintenance. It's um, being active and filling up our happiness and, and joy. Um, number six, spend time with God-saturated people who help you see God and fight the fight, right? Um, it, spend, the people that we spend time with is super, super important for a happiness level, right? Um, if we're around people that are just down all the time, we're going to notice ourselves feeling down all the time. If we're around people that are, like, really um, um, joy-filled and, and happy and help stir your affections for God and can help you see it in your life, you're going to start feeling that more. So who you spend time with is really, really important. Uh, number seven, be patient in the night of God's seeming absence. Okay, for some of us, um, we are not feeling this right now at all. And um, we feel like God is just absent. Like, um, we, um, we have this home, and then we feel like the home just moved. <laughs> and then we don't have the address, and we don't know where to find it. Right? And my encouragement to you would be, um, I think you're doing a good job. Just be patient. And just keep doing what you know to be true and keep practicing um, the other 11 steps uh, and, and be patient. And I think that um, I'm confident that your happiness and joy um, in Jesus uh, will return. So number eight, um, give the rest, exercise, and proper diet that your body was designed by God to have. Sometimes for your happiness, the most godly thing you can do is eat a snack and take a nap. Right? Okay, you'll get that one. Number nine. Um, yeah, sleep. Sleep Sleep is good. I would encourage you to sleep. I would encourage you to sleep um, six to eight hours. I would encourage you to sleep in when you can. I would encourage you to take naps. I would encourage you to eat two to three meals a day, right? Um, all this stuff we also um, um, uh, teach in, uh, in our residency program. Uh, so some of us have gone through residency. Some of us may have not heard it before. Um, but essentially, residency is a way where we talk through a lot of this um, because we want us to be proactive in cultivating our happiness in Jesus. So residency teaches a lot of that. So one of the things we do is just looking at our calendar and how do we look at our calendar and how do we eat and how do we rest. Um, number eight. Okay, number nine. Um, see God in nature. Number nine. See God in nature. Um, <laughs> Um, I heard someone said, I was on a, a, I was on a boat one time, um, and I, I heard um, somebody say, um, um, there's nothing like the wind in your face that shakes the cobwebs off your soul, right? It's like a really way of saying, hey, whenever you're just going fast, like you can just, it feels good, <laughs> right? Uh, and the way, again, I don't own a boat, um, but I love scootering, some of you know this. Um, and I love, so at uh, Baldwin Park here in Orlando, um, they have these things called spin scooters. You can go and get the app and get a spin scooter. You can just go for a cruise, right? And I just love cruising on a, on a scooter and just going with the wind in my face. And whenever I'm doing that, um, I really am. It just makes me really happy. But it, it makes me happy on um, God's goodness and him creating nature and him giving, giving me this really cool gift of a scooter, but also this really cool gift of me just feeling go, just going and being free uh, and just really enjoying myself that way. Um, for some of you, it's nature walks, it's, it's kayaking, it's other things um, in nature. Uh, number 10, read books, watch videos, and listen to podcasts that stir affections for Jesus, right? So you can um, read books, watch videos, and listen to podcasts that stir affections for Jesus. Uh, number 11, um, consistently do the last thing God told you to do. This one's huge. For a lot of times, we're unhappy because we didn't do the last thing that God asked us to do, right? Right? Um, um, if we just do that, 
So if you're, if you're feeling unhappy or you're feeling miserable right now, um, what's the last thing that God told you to do? And um, do that and then check in to see how you're feeling um, with your happiness. Uh, number 12, get a global vision for the cause of Christ and pour yourself out for the unreached. I mean, I love that um, um, David Branch came up here um, and we'll talk about it at the end, Global Gates, just a way to do this, to practice that the world is not about us, right? And we can find so much happiness in helping others um, find their joy and their satisfaction in Jesus. So here's how we're going to close to respond. Um, uh, these, these lists of 12, they're just going to rotate. Right? Maybe 10 seconds each slide um, or somewhere around there. And we're just going to, you're just going to sit. We're not going to stand and sing. We're just going to sit. And I want you to think through your happiness. And I want you to think through your, um, um, your deepest and fullest happiness in Jesus. And if you're feeling that way, look at this list and see what are the things that you need to keep doing that you're already doing. Or perhaps what are the things that you want to start doing to cultivate your happiness in Jesus? Um, at the same time, it's not on the list, but man, what are some things that you notice about yourself and how you're currently living your life that are robbing you from your happiness? Right? So we're just going to spend about five minutes. We're just going to sit. Um, we'll have some uh, pads, pads here in the background. Luke is playing. We're just going to sit and reflect. And you can just stare at the screen um, and just process and reflect. And you can pray um, to see what are the things that we can do to actively cultivate our happiness and pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that we can just abide in you and that we can remain at home in you. Um, man, we just love you so much, and I'm just praying for my friends um, and our happiness, that we can find our fullest joy and our fullest happiness and satisfaction in you. Um, we love you, Jesus. Amen.